Welcome to the Mass Device Fast Five MedTech News Podcast, the show that keeps you up to date on the latest breakthroughs in medical technology with the top five news stories to get your day started. Today is May 24th. I'm your host, Danielle Kirsch, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean Hooley. Today, we're going to talk about the wound business divestiture at BioVentus, an FDA approval for another opiate overdose treating nasal spray, and layoffs at Q Health and Cala Health. First, I'm going to check in with my co-host. How are you doing today, Sean? What's what's the state of medtech? Uh, I'm doing all right. We've got a mixed bag today, some, some positive news and some not so positive news, but uh, I guess that's every day, most of the time, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's just get right into it. What's the first thing we should know to start our day? The first thing we should know is that BioVentus completed the divestiture of its wound business. So the company made the news official a couple of weeks ago that it struck a deal to divest the business. And today the uh, deal was completed. And what are some of the financial details of that divestiture? Well, the sale includes BioVentus's skin substitutes, Theraskin and Theragenesis. The sale to LifeNet Health includes a total cash consideration of $85 million. That features $35 million at close, $5 million deferred 18 months, and $45 million in potential earnout payments. Interesting. And how much does BioVentus expect to net from this transaction? At the time of closing, the company expects to net approximately $30 million after fees and expenses, and that's all earmarked for repaying existing debt. So company said that the transaction allows it to improve its focus on execution. And it previously said that the divestiture reduces its annual revenue by approximately $40 million, and it's adjusted a bit by $5 million. Hmm. I know divestitures often allow companies to optimize their portfolio and concentrate on high growth segments and even pursue new opportunities for innovation and expansion. And this kind of marks that kind of a strategic move. Is there anything else in connection with the closing that we should know? Yeah, well, BioVentus uh, also noted that in connection with the closing, that both companies, BioVentus and LifeNet Health, entered into a sales agent agreement under which LifeNet now holds exclusive rights to sell Sonic One ultrasonic wound debridement products in the U.S. and Canada. So just a little extra add-on to the deal, it seems. All right. What else should we know for the day? Second thing is the FDA approved another nasal spray for treating opioid overdoses. So it's another positive step uh, amid the ongoing opioid crisis. Yeah, for sure. Opioid overdoses are a serious public health concern. And these nasal sprays are increasingly becoming used as a delivery method for naloxone. And this FDA approval of another nasal spray kind of represents a positive step in combating the ongoing opiate crisis. So what does this approval cover? Definitely. Yeah, it seems, you know, like a positive step to have a multitude of options. This approval covers the treatment of known or suspected opioid overdose in adults and pediatric patients 12 years of age and older. It's the first authorization for this particular type type of spray in healthcare and community use. This spray, of course, being nalmaphene hydrochloride nasal spray. So it's definitely a a new option and it's prescription only at this point, but you never know with uh, potential over-the-counter applications down the road. Yeah, for sure. And as you mentioned, the availability of additional options in nasal spray formulations does provide healthcare providers with more tools to address opiate overdose cases promptly. You also mentioned over-the-counter use, and this kind of comes on the heels of the FDA authorizing Narcan for over-the-counter use. So what are officials at the FDA saying about this? Yeah, it only comes a couple months after that Narcan decision, which obviously was a very big deal in the opioid overdose treatment space, if you will. But FDA Commissioner Robert Califf said that the agency continues to advance its overdose prevention framework and take actionable steps that encourage harm reduction by supporting the development of novel overdose reversal products. 
So on the heels of the FDA's recent approval of the first over-the-counter opioid reversal agent, which was Narcan, the availability of Nalmaphene's nasal spray places a new prescription opioid reversal option in the hands of communities, harm reduction groups, and emergency responders. And what are some of the additional details of this company's version of the opioid overdose nasal spray? So the the, the agent uh, Nalmaphene is an opioid receptor antagonist for treating acute opioid overdose. And when administered quickly, it can reverse the effects of opioid overdose, much like Narcan. So that includes the symptoms like respiratory depression, sedation, and low blood pressure. The OPV, the uh, marketing name for the spray, delivers 2.7 milligrams of the drug into the nasal cavity. And so it's available by prescription use in healthcare and community settings. And the company actually, interestingly, Opiate Pharmaceuticals, which is actually now bought by Indivior, they ran uh, pharmacokinetic studies and conducted a study in people who use opioids recreationally to assess how quickly their drug works in reversing the overdose. Interesting. I mean, it's obviously, as we mentioned, a serious concern. So expanding access to safe and effective treatment is a positive step. Now it looks like we have some more surgical robotic news. Always. We can't get away from it. The first U.S. procedure was conducted using the NOAA medical surgical robot. So another sort of victory for NOAA, which also recently raised $150 million on the back of FDA clearance for its Galaxy system. And what does that Galaxy system do? So it provides bronchoscopic visualization and access, with which in turn provide diagnostic and therapeutic procedures in patient airways. So It has advanced imaging technologies that provide real-time location updates for potentially cancerous lesions, and NOAA Medical says that it designed the technology to improve tool and lesion and diagnostic yield. So it's now on the market, having been cleared in March. Robotic systems like this one have the potential to enhance surgical precision and improve patient outcomes and even reduce recovery times. So what do doctors think about this system? Well, Dr. Kyle Hogarth, who conducted the first U.S. procedure at the University of Chicago, said that the Galaxy system is the first robot for peripheral lung navigation that includes integrated imaging, which is the solution that they that those doctors have been asking for. They are excited that they're the first hospital in the U.S., the University of Chicago, to implement the next generation robotic solution. And Hogarth said that the hospital believes it will improve and expedite the early diagnosis and treatment of lung cancer. It sounds like this achievement highlights the continuous advancement of surgical robotics and their increasing adoption in various specialties. What has been some of the outcomes of the company's first in-human trials and maybe even what do executives at the company think? Yeah, NOAA Medical noted that its first human trial in Australia produced what it called overwhelmingly positive physician feedback. So the Galaxy, you know, it has some interesting technologies, including what the company calls tilt technology with integrated tomosynthesis and augmented fluoroscopy and a single use disposable bronchoscope and a small compact footprint. So all this has seemingly won the favor of physicians, at least in the early stages. And company CEO and founder said that it designed the Galaxy system in collaboration with those physicians to provide unique clinical value to patients and improved procedural efficiency. So they're definitely positive about all that's going on too. Now we are more than halfway through. So what else do we need to know to get our day started? BD expanded the availability of its all-in-one flush pre-filled syringe. BD is obviously one of the leaders in the syringe market and now has offered expanded access to a new kind of innovation, it seems. So what are these syringes and maybe what do they do? So it's called the Pause Flush Safe Scrub Syringe and it has an integrated disinfection unit 
to reinforce compliance to infection prevention guidelines to simplify the nursing workflow. BD said that it built the active disinfection unit right into the tip cap of the syringe and in vitro testing demonstrated a significant reduction in microbial growth associated with catheter-related bloodstream infections. Hmm, It sounds like these kind of address the need for efficient and convenient solutions in medical settings and ensures that healthcare facilities can access a reliable and time-saving solution to support patient care. So, I mean, you briefly touched on it. What is the purpose of integrating the scrubbing device? Well, BD said that it integrated the device to offer easier compliance to what it called scrub the hub guidelines or otherwise infection prevention guidelines. It also reduces touch contamination and The company said that altogether it simplifies the steps and streamlines workflows for nurses while also helping to protect patients. So double win there. Interesting. And obviously reducing the risk of contamination in the process. How do hospital workers feel about this? Dr. Nathan Gilmore, the chief of service critical care at Hogue Hospital in California, was quoted in the news releases saying that healthcare facilities continue to feel the burden from the COVID-19 pandemic with high rates of nursing turnover and shortages. At the same time, hospitals are still seeing increased rates of preventable catheter-related infections, both dangerous and costly for hospitals and patients. So it's not easy to be a frontline caregiver right now, Gilmore said, and nurses need efficient and effective solutions to help them advance IV catheter care while improving the safety of their patients. So BD has potentially offered a solution there. We heard lots of insights from CEO Tom Polin at Device Talks Boston at the beginning of the month, and he even talked about syringes being a part of BD's founding story. So I think it kind of shows BD's commitment to innovation and expanding product offerings and reflects its dedication to improving workflow efficiency. I think you wrote about that for Mass Device, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I covered uh, Tom Poland's keynote, and it, it's it's definitely an interesting concept where BD, obviously, you, you think of a syringe in your mind, at least in my mind, it's a very simple thing. You know, how do you sort of innovate on that technology? But BD has been doing it for a very, very long time. So long may it continue. And it looks like we have some more layoff news to announce. That's right. So Cala Health and Q Health both had layoffs in California. You can't seem to really escape them. And now we have them from two different companies, a neuromodulation tech developer and a diagnostic tech developer. We've covered layoffs on here before. And while they're unfortunate, they can occur in companies due to various factors such as restructuring, shifting business priorities, or even economic circumstances. So first, let's start with Cala Health. How many layoffs occurred there? Well, according to the California Workforce Reduction Notices, Cali laid off 107 employees. It lists the type of reduction as a permanent layoff pertaining to the company's San Mateo, California location. And when will all those layoffs take effect? State of California said that it received the notice of workforce reduction on May 17th, so last week, and the filing says that the layoffs go into effect on June 30th. And now on to Q Health. Same same questions. How many layoffs are expected and are those permanent layoffs as well? Yeah, Q Health's layoffs cover about 30% of its workforce, which is what the company's CEO said in a letter that they sent to the company or to the employees, I should say. Basically attributing the decision to, like you said, economic factors, macroeconomic challenges right now are, are definitely been common reason for these layoffs. But all, all in all, the 30% of the workforce totals about 329 people, and they're all permanent at multiple San Diego locations belonging to Q, as well as Vista, California location. Yeah, as you mentioned, these kind of reflect the dynamic nature of the healthcare and medtech industries and the challenges faced by companies right now. When will Q Health's layoffs take effect? 
So same as Cala, the state of California received the notification on May 17th. These will go into effect on June 27th. These decisions may position the companies for long-term sustainability and continued innovation. So I guess we'll just keep watching for layoffs in the industry. We have a whole roundup that you've been updating regularly, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. It's uh, been unfortunate that we've had to continue adding to it. But, you know, if anyone's searching for talent, there's plenty of companies that have let some go. And there's plenty of people out there, I'm sure, that would be worth reaching out to. Well said. That's all the news that we have for today. Once again, want to thank you for all of your reporting that you do throughout the day and all your insights that you bring to the podcast. My pleasure. And as always, read more on the Mass Device website and check out our show notes at massdevice.com slash podcasts. And please connect with us online. I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H, and the same name on LinkedIn. Where can our listeners connect with you, Sean? You can find me on LinkedIn, Sean Hooley, S-E-A-N-W-H-O-O-L-E-Y. Subscribe to the Mass Device Fast Five wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode. Join us Thursday for your daily MedTech News Roundup. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.